exciting is this with the 11th pick in the 2021 NFL draft the my Chicago Bears select Justin Fields quarterback Ohio State Welcome back to the Irish Bear Show. It is great to be back. We had a little bit of a hiatus because Thanksgiving and all that. It's got a lot of what to watch a lot of football over the last few days. It's great to have our guys back. Great to be joined by Tony, Noel, and obviously Aldo, who has been on the show before, part of the Barroom Network. Aldo, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. It's great to be on with you guys. Uh, you guys all look like you're happy and had a good holiday, so I hope that's true. And uh, hopefully we can feel better about the Chicago Bears after we, uh, we we have a group hug or something like that. I know. That's what it feels like. We've been – every time we do one of these podcasts, it's like a therapy session. We're just talking about the Bears. It's, it's insane. But, look, it is – there's a lot to break down today. Guys, if you are over on Twitter, make sure you get over onto YouTube so you can put, get your comments in. Again, we will be talking about kind of everything that happened last week in the game. We'll be talking about all the reports about Matt Nagy. We'll be talking about who kind of are on our wish list kind of moving forward as well because, again, as long as Dalton is the quarterback right now, there's not that much to look forward to when it comes to the Chicago Bears. So it'll be good to be able to project a little bit. That's been a lot of the talk. 
And obviously we'll do a little bit of a preview for the Arizona game coming up as well. So look, before we kind of start and kind of break down everything that happened last week, Aldo, as kind of the resident American, as we'll say in, in the chat, how was your Thanksgiving? It was good, although the last two Thanksgivings for me have been non-traditional because I'm home alone. And the reason why is because my uh, sister-in-law has been hosting Thanksgiving the last few years, and um, she doesn't want football on. <laughs> and I'm like, you can't do it. Sorry. I need to have football on. Plus, uh, the Bears playing on Thanksgiving, and then I'm doing a uh, post-game show immediately afterwards. I was home alone, but I got some really, really good leftover meals that I think I'm, I still have some in the refrigerator. Somewhere, but, so it was definitely non-traditional. And, and in some respects, because I'm Puerto Rican, I've, I've uh, always sort of had, had a non-traditional Thanksgiving instead of uh, traditional thanksgiving food like thanksgiving and so forth we've had uh puerto rican dishes my entire life growing up so uh so the, n nothing is uh normal with me that's for sure <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's it's very interesting for for us over here it's great because the thanksgiving means that the minute you finish work games are on and it's you kind of get to cool. miss the entire morning and then the minute that you finish i think as I clocked off from work, the Bears game just started, and I was like, perfect. So <laughs> it is, it's always good. Tony, how are you getting on? It's been a little bit since we kind of spoken last. What's kind of your impression going in after that kind of – I don't even know how to kind of summarize everything that happened in that Lions game because it was a crap show from both teams. Yeah, it, it was. But just before we get into that, what I want to say is it's December the 1st, so I've got my Bears Christmas jumper on. So, guys, this is going to be the thing. There we go. Hall of Fame Bears sweater. So for the next uh, month, all you're going to see is me wearing Christmas jumpers. Might be Bears, might not be Bears, but either way, uh, I'm a Christmas nut. Let's go. So, Bears, um, yeah, I mean, watching the game last week, uh, again, it's great watching a game at half past five in the afternoon in the UK. Um, but uh, on a on a Thursday, but again, it's uh, it's watching the Bears on Thanksgiving, and I feel really bad for the rest of the world and the rest of the country having to tune in to watch Bears Lions. I mean, I remember tweeting out during the game, "This is just sad. It's a sad game." Do you know what I mean? Like, um, but they keep putting us on for whatever reason. I don't know why. We almost got uh, flexed out of the Sunday night game for the Packers as well, but they decided against that. So. Here we are, prime time coming up again, and who knows why. But yeah, we got a win, and we've broke that losing streak, and I think that's that's a good thing, you know. Um, not great seeing Justin Fields going down injured, um, but there were a couple of couple of bright sparks in the game, not many, one or two. But again, getting the win is always huge. Yeah, absolutely. It, it honestly feels like the Ravens and Lions game just morphed into one <laughs> because I was going back today and thinking of like all the things that happened in the Lions game. And then I'm taking up certain players. I'm like, no, that was the Ravens game. It's it's always a crazy time. And look, no, it's it's one of those, I think we expected it to be the way that game kind of went. Two teams that aren't really poised for much this season. And it really does show though for, for the Bears that the only difference from this year to last year was that the only reason we didn't have a six-game losing streak this year is because we beat the Lions on Thanksgiving, when last year we lost to the Lions on Thanksgiving. Does that say more about where the Bears are right now than, than anything else? 
I think watching it, I mean, we were watching it over here anyway, um, on the, the channel here to have it. Sean Gale was on, and I think he had the perfect quote. The best team didn't win, the worst team lost. And that was just, I thought that was, that was perfect because both teams wanted to lose that game. I mean, the, the positive for Matt Nagy was he wasn't the worst head coach on the sideline. <laughs> My God, some of the things. I mean, Nagy had actually, he had quite a good uh, challenge play, which he won, which is a shock. But then to see the other decisions on the other sideline, Nagy must have just thought, this is what it's like to be the best head coach in the stadium, huh? But I mean, it was, it was, it was a slog. My God, it, it look, it's it's always nice to win, but um, my God, it was a, it was a tough watch. And then I took the Bears with the points, so that didn't do me any good either. So I don't know what I was doing with that. But... What are you What are you doing betting on the Bears? Come on, you know well, better now. No, no, you know no, better. No. In fairness, it was a last man standing competition, so I didn't put any money onto it. I just entered the tournament. I just went with the Bears for whatever reason. I had a good feeling, and <laughs> I think I was drinking at that stage. So. <laughs> good to, to be fair, that's, that's a good excuse. Look, no more drinking before I pick games next time. Uh, so, sometimes that's when all the good picks come out, when you do drink and you're not thinking through it. Like like I always say, think long, think wrong. That's, that's the way it is. But look, where we kind of have to get to is because it's been the main storyline of both this week and last week is everything that went on with the stories to do with Matt Nagy. And Aldo, I want to bring you in on this one because it it was kind of a whirlwind that you find out, I think it was either Monday or Tuesday, that there's this story that Matt Nagy has been told he's going to get fired, that he's, after, he's going to get fired after the Lions game. And my first reaction, and I said to the to the boys here that, I don't know how I can believe this because it's just not what the Bears do. It's mm-hmm. like we have to sit through Tressman. And I, I think people forget just how bad that season was. The locker room was gone. Like nobody mm-hmm. respected him. You're seeing even with some of the players that are coming out, even after everything that's gone on, there's players in that locker room that still respect Matt Nagy and rightly so. So what was your first reaction, I guess, when you saw this story initially before kind of all the later kind of articles that people put out and people were talking about, oh, this could happen? My immediate reaction was uh, disbelief. I didn't think that this was even something worth reporting on. But when I saw it uh, retweeted by legitimate news services, I, I started to look into it more and saw that the the gentleman who wrote the article was a former Pulitzer Prize winning author or write, a reporter for the Chicago Sun-Times, has never covered sports, uh, but uh, was a legitimate journalist. And then um, upon further checking into his background, he had a, a kind of a controversial career after he left the Chicago Sun-Times newspaper here in Chicago and went on to work at the Chicago Reader, which is a free publication that is very well known here in Chicago. But he had uh, ac- accusations against him for some of the some of his behavior and so forth. So I, I was a, a bit doubtful, but he was getting certainly a lot of attention by the Chicago media here. He was on a lot of the radio shows and 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 being quoted and, and so forth. So you had to kind of wonder, but it just didn't make any sense. Hey, Matt, come on in here. Uh, We want you to coach one more game and then we're going to fire you the next day. That's just that's unheard of. Although with the Bears history of running things, you know, you could kind of see them doing something idiotic like that. But still, I was I was not uh, not believing the report. And uh, this reporter has now gone on to say that perhaps 
things changed because of his report. Well, he should have been smart enough to to realize that and maybe released the report the day of the game or or uh, or at some other time as opposed to becoming the news he should have been reporting the news and of course a, a good journalist would have had two sources he only had one so uh, there was just a lot that was wrong with it and 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 perhaps the biggest uh mistake here was by the Chicago Bears by not addressing it quickly at the very least with their players via a text or some other way of communication to let them know this is totally erroneous, focus on the Lions, and let's go win this game. But uh, they didn't, and McCaskey had to come after more than, what, 24, 48 hours of that report floating out there. McCaskey had to meet with the Bears. And uh, we understand now uh, from Eddie Jackson, the Bears' safety, that McCaskey basically came in, said a few words, and then left, didn't answer any questions. So I wonder if that was a good uh, way to handle that as well. So as typical, you know, Bears management kind of fumbled that. Yeah, it just kind of shows the dysfunction of the team. And, like, this is one thing I wanted to ask you, Tony, on this because – kind of thinking about that i was listening to i think it was on espn um jay cutler was on i think the waddle and sylvie show and the one thing that he said and his reaction that kind of brought back to me is when he said that when management has to talk to the players that's when you know something seriously wrong has happened and this is from somebody that's gone in they are they also followed up and they asked him if he was surprised about this and the fact that he said no not at all was his first reaction kind of shows that this has been a problem for the bears longer than people want to admit people kind of forget their they kind of think back at lovey smith and that was great but then you move on you fire the gm you fire your head coach you bring in the crap show that was phil emery and mark trashman and then they both go and then you see then you get ryan pace to come in and you force a head coach on them, and it, it's the same stuff every single kind of every other year with the Bears. So my question to you, Tony, is like Aldo said with the reporter Marconco that he said that oh well the Bears changed it because of the story. Do you think that this was just bad reporting in terms of this was just not correct, or do you think that okay this? came out and then suddenly the Bears like oh we can't fire him now because now it got leaked which side would you be on to believing I'd probably lean towards the latter because um the Bears are such a dysfunctional organization that they allow things like that outside influences to um alter their plans you know if they were any sort of like viable organization who knew how to run something they would make a decision regardless of anything else that's going on, they would make the decision that's in their head that they've evaluated and they think is the best, the best plan moving forward. But clearly, you know, you, you go, you go through, you go through uh, and you've mentioned all these previous GMs and head coaches and guys getting sacked and all this kind of thing. Well, who's the common denominator in all this is the ownership is the McCaskies and, you know, Ted Phillips to an extent, you know, there's no doubt he's involved in the decision-making process with football, uh, which he shouldn't be. I've got no problem, as I mentioned before, with him being at the Bears and making money and staying on the financial side of things. Crack on. But what they need to do is they need to have someone in there running football who knows football and knows what they're talking about. And this is why we're continuing to be this middle-of-the-road 
organization than have been for the past 15 years because um we, we can't make the correct decisions we've got we get lucky now and again you know we got lucky in the the the, the, the mid 80s and we get lucky again in 2006 2007 you know and 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 then it started petering off and it's just continued that way ever since um and it's just a mediocre show that's all it is um so for me it's it's probably been the case that the, i think it's probably been true they were going to let him go um and break this chain of not firing people mid-season maybe turning a leaf making correct decisions but then something outside influences them and they say oh you know what actually uh, i don't want to be outsmarted by this guy this uh this mark conkle guy so we're gonna look at the better we're gonna look at the smart guys here and we're gonna say oh no it was a lot of nonsense we've got our plan in place and we're going to stick with it so it's just it's a nonsense the whole thing's a nonsense and, and the sooner they rip it out and start again the better um and that needs to start with getting a football guy in there to run things um whether that be uh ryan pace getting promoted or someone else coming in and getting a new gm altogether i don't know but they need to think of something to get more football guys uh in the in the top office yeah and look no this is where i want to bring you in because it was one of the main i guess talking points that i was going to kind of bring up and it just kind of came through like what is the root of the bears problem i think we all know it it actually it goes higher than just ryan pace because this can't just be a gm and head coaching issue when it's been the same thing over and over and over again like we have to remember this is this is an organization that decided when every other team was getting a gm that no 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 we don't need a gm we don't we're fine the way we are that and then they come out and they say that like ryan pace and matt nagy are their football guys and then suddenly we're getting reports that oh maybe it wasn't matt nagy that decided to start justin fields and even if that isn't true even the perception of that just shows all the issues that's going on with this organization so my question to you now is is everybody's focus actually on the wrong thing here where we're looking for somebody to come in as the gm or the head coach when really the mccaskies and even if it is ted phillips in the different area actually need to be looking for someone higher that they need to look for like I don't care what the title is, whether it's the director of football operations or something like that, but somebody that oversees what the general manager will do. So we don't have to keep going through this point of where people are worried that if Ryan Pace gets let go, that it's the same people that hired him that are going to be hiring the next guy. No, absolutely. Look, Tony said it there. What's the common denominator to every issue we've had over the last 20 years? And it is ownership and Ted Phillips. I mean, it's a, we concentrate on the head coach and the GM for the simple fact that that's all we know will change. We know we can't change anything above that. So we kind of concentrate on the low hanging fruit. So it's the kind of way that's because we know maybe if it changes, maybe we get lucky and we'll we just happen to hit that next like Lovey Smith who can go and have a great run or, or whatever. But it, as Tony says, well, it's just pure luck. You, you kind of hit one and then you don't for a while. But as you say, in terms of I mean, they need to run it different because they're not changing. And I think we all know that even if we some people clamor for them to go, they're they're not. So that's just not a not a not an option. But if you can get more football people into the building, at least that you know expands the football knowledge in there and maybe gets a few more knowledgeable voices in on decisions that are made in terms of the field and, and players. Because as it is, I mean, the way they handle this whole situation is embarrassing. 
you know, either that rumor, or that story comes out and it's completely false. Then they come out and they say, this is not true. We did not tell Matt Nagy he's being fired, but they don't. They leave it and they let it drag and it becomes a, you know, it's a small thing. Then it becomes bigger and bigger. Suddenly you're, you're playing on Thanksgiving. So you're the only focus on game one. So that's getting talked about, you know, and they, they, they leave it so long that it becomes an issue. And then it starts to look you know, kind of dodgy them because they've left it. Whereas for me, like, I don't think they told him he was being fired. I think they may have been considering firing him, but I don't believe they told him that. But they could they could have come out and denied it, but they didn't. And look, the, the whole thing, it like it is, it, it's, it's, it's a round, of, or it's a merry-go-round, round and round we go, and we'll be here again in two years, five years, unless some sort of change is made Will they make it? Probably not. But yeah, look, if they can get another football guy in there, that would definitely improve the chances of maybe some better decisions being made if they can keep themselves out of the football decisions, which I'm I'm not really sure that they, they can do. You know, but yeah, look, same conversation, different year, you know. Yeah, that um, that's the problem. And although we, we talk about it a lot, and actually there was a there was a good comment here that I wanted to bring up because um that there needs to be two divisions the kind of the business side of things and then the sporting or the football side of things we see this in like so many organizations around the world in different sports the ones that work best is when there's a clear divide between the business side and the whatever whether it's football it's baseball hockey basketball when you have that separation things work a lot smoother but we've seen over time that a it hasn't worked well for the Bears and how they're doing it, and B, they don't actually have any sort of incentive to make any sort of change. Because at the end of the day, in terms of money, they're still, like, we can all say as fans, oh, we won't buy their stuff, we won't go to games, but it doesn't matter when they're getting paid, what is it, $350 million at the start of the year? <laughs> like, at the end of the day, it's it's not like what we saw in for the Bulls with the basketball where people didn't go to the games and they're forced jerry ryan starts to try and sit, to change something there's nothing that is going to force the mccaskies to change so what do you feel needs to be done to try and change this i guess this motion of every two or three years having to change the gm having to change the head coach and they're not really getting us anywhere yeah, I do, I do think that there is a somewhat of a separation of duties currently with the Bears administration. I don't think Ted Phillips is making any decision, any football uh, operations decisions other than hiring and having a, a big role in the hiring of the, the, the people who are in charge of football operations. And so you could blame him for that. You can blame him for Phil Emery. You can blame him for uh, for Ryan Pace. Uh, so, so that's the issue is who they bring in at the top, uh, the McCaskey family and Ted Phillips. The, these guys are just not had a, a, a proven record and have had no success here in Chicago. So that's that's the biggest concern for me. And I've always been against the idea of bringing in an executive of football operations because it just, to me, adds another level of organizational management and that gets cluttered and there's disagreements and blah, blah, blah. But I do think that now is the perfect time to bring in an executive of vice president of operations. And I'll tell you why. 
Matt Nagy needs to go. He needs to be fired. It, the, the, the results are in. The verdict is in. He is just not capable at this point of his career of leading uh, an NFL team to a championship. So what can you do to get a head start on the hiring of what probably this offseason is going to be six to ten head coaches. You need to fire him within the, the last two weeks of the season because the NFL now has a new rule that you can start to interview assistant coaches uh, during the last two weeks of the regular season. But who are you going to have do that? Are you going to have Ryan Pace pick his third head coach? It has worked in some organizations. For instance, at Tampa Bay, Bruce Arians is Jason Licht's uh, third head coach hire, and the Chargers are on their third head coach under Tom Telesco the GM there, but I'm not comfortable having G, uh, Ryan Pace do that. So what I would love to see is over the next two weeks, the Bears hold a press conference and they announce that they have hired an executive of football operations and that Ryan Pace will be reporting to him. And then both of those gentlemen will be interviewing for the next coach, head coach, starting as soon as the NFL allows that. Then what I would do is that immediately after, after the end of the season, after that final play, you bring in Ryan Pace into the office of the executive vice, vice operations and you say, pack your shit up. <laughs> Get out of here. So now you've had the benefit of uh, starting the interview process with this executive of vice uh, executive vice president of football operations. And then he now is hiring the GM and the head coach. I think I've spent a lot of sleepless nights thinking about this, especially recently. I think that is probably the best plan that I can think of anyway for the Bears moving forward. Yeah, I, I really like the whole point of get, getting them to get something in, announce it, that Ryan Pace is with them, and then like get your shit and get out. Like, <laughs> that's, 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 the be- that's the best way to do it. But look, it, it's the Chicago way. Yeah. It, it's, it, the problem is I go back to – this ownership group, and I don't think that they want to fire Ryan Pace. I think they they very much remind me of like with the White Sox, where they have kind of Kenny Williams there that they don't want to get rid of because he's a friend of the family. It's like with the Bulls with John Paxson that even when he gets fired, he has oh here's your consultancy role with the team. Like that's how I I see that relationship with Ryan Pace now. I would I would not want him to be picking the third guy. So even if part of your plan worked where there was another football guy in there and they were both doing it, you may come up with a better solution than just having Ryan Pace come up and select it. And I, I prefer your plan to where you just get him to get out as well because, again, if you make a mistake twice, that's where there's a problem. I'm going to play a little bit of devil's advocate. and Normally, I'm not a big fan of Ryan Pace, but I'm going to bring this in. There are some people that will say that, well, the first head coach that was brought in was basically forced on Pace. And some people will say, so realistically, he's only had really one head coach. So what would you say to to those people, Aldo? I I would say, well, that's part of the problem. Uh, Ryan Pace allowing management to uh, force a head coach on him. When you hire a new general manager 
or a manager in baseball, coach in football, head coach in football, you have to give them the keys to the car and let them drive. You don't say, oh, by the way, here are the keys to the car, but you're not driving. Somebody else is going to drive. You've got to give that person, you have to have full confidence that that person can make all of the decisions. So if you sit down with Ryan Pace and he impresses the hell out of you and you say, this is going to be my next general manager, next question you say, who do you want to bring in as your head coach? And tell me what your plan is for the quarterback because Jay Cutler just hasn't been working out here and so forth. He should have made those decisions at the very beginning. The fact that he allowed for John Fox to be foisted on him, to me, speaks that he just doesn't have the toughness. And as you were talking uh, uh, about the Bears organization, they are a mirror of Virginia McCaskey, this sweet little old lady that you want to hug and so forth. And she doesn't want to get uh, rid of Ryan because he sees he reminds me of my grandchildren. And, and that whole attitude is not a way to run a professional football team. You need somebody who's going to be slow slamming on tables, who's going to be throwing beer bottles across the room saying, I want it this way and get it done. And unfortunately, the Chicago Bears are the Chicago teddy bears and not the not the real image of what George Hallis built here in Chicago. Yeah, because if it was the one candidate that did that that time was Chris Ballard, because he was there <laughs> saying that, get rid of Jay Cutler. I don't want him here. I want to pick who was it they i think he wanted dan quinn as his as his head coach when it yeah. was being reported and look while it didn't turn out so good at the end that first season he did get to the super bowl with alana so like there are like the one thing i always say is and i was very worried when this whole idea and one of the comments actually just kind of mentioned it when this whole idea of collaboration kind of came true that's great but you actually need people with different opinions and okay. different voices because if you have everybody having the same opinion then you're going to make a lot more mistakes and that's the pro that's the reason why the bears keep hiring the wrong gms and keep right hiring the wrong head coaches because ted phillips and george mccaskey are there they probably have the same opinion on everybody they don't have anybody that's going to disagree with them because most guys that disagree with them aren't in the organization anymore mm -hmm. and that's a and that's a big problem look Tony, um, this is one thing that I think we've spoken about quite quite substantially a lot about. We'll talk about the head coach in just a moment, but what happens at the GM level? Or is it that Ryan Pace should get moved up? Do you think that the Bears absolutely need to hire a new general manager? And if so, what Look, I've always been of the opinion there's so many kind of alumni of the Bears that you hear them all the time. They do so much work in terms of their analysis. They do work on different podcasts. You just they look at the likes of Olin Cruz, Lance Briggs. There's a, there's a bunch more that do all these radio shows as well that can provide information. Do you think that this is the time that where the Bears actually need to have a clean slate and actually delve into some of those very knowledgeable ex-players that have a lot of love for the organization and just want them to do well? Or do you think that they need to, like you mentioned earlier in the show, and like we've mentioned before, maybe move Ryan Pace to a different role and have, a, I guess, a bigger football operations department? Yeah, I mean, I've never really been a big fan of bringing a guy in just because he's a Bears guy or bringing a guy in because he's whatever team's guy. Because that that doesn't mean 
success. That just means that the guy is a Bears fan. He knows what it's all about, whatever. But that doesn't mean he's the most talented person available. For me, you always go with the, the, the best talent or the best potential, regardless of anything else. But that's not to say that you can't have bring people in in advisory roles or create positions for them underneath general managers or underneath football operations guys, whatever. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot of different ways that you can go with it. Um, so it's... I, I get the point, and, and you see these guys talking on um, on shows after the game, and they're fired up, and you're like, yeah, you're saying all the things that I want you to say. And I get that, right? But end of the day, running a football team, is there's more to it than just that. You know, it takes a certain set of skills um, and a certain acumen and business acumen as well, I suppose. So, and I'm not saying that these guys wouldn't be capable of doing it, but what I'm saying is they have no basis or no uh, history to show me that they could they played football that was it you know they haven't done anything else uh, or not a lot of them haven't done done anything else in terms of executive positions or whatever so you know given the situation with justin fields and he's the future and we want to make sure we get it right i don't think that now is the time for making kind of gamble moves like that in terms of going, well, he's a Bears guy, maybe it'll work out, maybe it won't. I think you need to try and make the best possible move and look for the, the best talents. Um, so for me, um, I told, Aldo, I totally I love the plan that you came up with, I think, in an ideal world. That's what I would like to do as well. And I didn't really think about it this, as like that before, but I think it's definitely a definitely kind of way to go. But... You, we all know that that's not going to happen, unfortunately. You know, and and I reckon that you know what Kieran was saying there is we'll probably end up with Ryan Pace sticking around in some form for at least another year, um, whether that be as a GM, whether that be as someone else who's hiring a GM. I don't know, um, but you're right. I think when you have a guy come in and he's willing to let people dictate to him how his team should be run then that should really set off alarm bells. And that being John Fox is your guy, regardless of what um, we want to keep Jay Cutler. Um, and that's the way it is kind of thing. Whereas as Kieran said, Chris Ballard didn't want that to happen. So he was like, nah, I'm, I'm gone kind of thing. Like it's not going to happen. So yeah, I think you have to have a bit of conviction and that's where you get it from those guys like Olin Cruz, because you know, they're strong, strong willed and, and they would go with what they want to go with. Um, so I think you need to try and find a guy who's not a newbie, who's not going to be easily swayed and just taking the job because he's, he's, he's lucky to be there. You need to go a guy who has done it before or that we can pry away from some other team by offering them whatever to get him. You know, like a guy like Ozzy Newsom or something like that, that kind of idea. You know, a guy that's been there and done it and you know he's going to come in and it's not as much of a gamble and he's going to do it his way. Um, I think that would be a great way to go, but... As you say, I think I've heard reports this week that Ryan Pace is going to be gone, and I hope that that is the case. But I just have a feeling, I just have a feeling he's going to be there in some capacity. Um, and it's just like the Bears to half arse it, you know? It's like you, you, you go so far and you do so much, but you don't go the whole hog because you want to bears it, you know? So, yeah, it's disappointing. <laughs> Yeah, look, absolutely. And I actually do agree to a certain extent. There's like there's a comment here is is there expert football players that show they have the overall abilities to be a GM? I, look, I I don't think it's so much that 
you're going to have an ex-bear that's going to be a GM or a president of football ops. It's more of to maybe be able to put in some of their perspective. There's a lot of guys out there that you can bring in. And I like to kind of compare sports. And the one thing that I like that the Chicago Bulls did is that they got a very, I guess, normal hire in terms of with Arturus Karnishidis. But then they went outside the box. And then they went with a guy to be the general manager underneath him that has a lot of ties to sports agents, to Nike and things like that. And at some point in time, the same thing is going to happen in the NFL, that some of these big sports agents or some of these agencies, there's going to be guys that are going to end up being in front offices like we see in the NBA because like with the NFL, teams copy, copy each other. But sports also copy each other when it works in one capacity to another. I want to see the Bears actually go outside the box a little bit where we all we all notice, like, in terms of signing players, drafting players, relationships are kind of the biggest thing when it comes to these professional sports. And that's one thing I do want to see kind of moving forward. What The Bears don't just do the regular kind of hire, hiring some kind of hotshot guy that they see because they have a good relationship with a particular organization because the bears had a a good link with the with the new orleans saints so ryan pace gets hired no i want to see them kind of think a little bit more and actually try and fix this long term rather than just trying to get a quick fix because that's that hasn't worked it's not going to work so it's going to take a lot of effort from the team and the struggling part that I have is kind of what Aldo said is towards the end of the season, you can kind of interview some of these guys. And if you don't, if you don't have all your stuff together, you don't want to be pe- playing catch up because for certain coaches and GMs, this is not as bad of a situation as you'll typically see for the teams that do fire a GM and head coach. So it is one that's really interesting. We will be moving on to kind of our, kind of the head coaching side of things. So, guys, make sure you get your comments in. We we did put out a poll um, throughout the week trying to get, I guess, what the Bears fans kind of out there really wanted. So, essentially what we did is we put out, obviously with polls, you're going to do kind of your four options. So, the main three that I kind of saw people talking about were Brian Dayball from the Buffalo Bills. You've obviously Jim Harbaugh because – Obviously, you have your ex-49ers head coach, made made the Super Bowl, had the big win over Ohio State this this past weekend, and there's still a lot of people that really like him. Um, you have Ryan Day, obviously, Justin Fields' ex-head coach, and then for people to comment in, and there was a bunch of <laughs> different ones. There was some very funny answers in there as well. But, guys, make sure you get that you do get your comments in as we kind of talk to the guys here. Noel, I'm going to start with you. Um, there's two, there's been two kind of trends of thought when I've been listening to people talk about who they want to take over from Matt Nagy, because look, I think it's a foregone conclusion that that will be one decision that takes place, even though everything we were talking about with the story this week and how it was probably wrong. It's more of a timing. It's not if Matt Nagy gets fired, it's when he does. So then the question becomes what type of head coach do people want and what type of head coach the Bears be going for? If I kind of put this out as Tony has rightly mentioned that it is the start of the Christmas season, it's the start of December. So with that, we have kind of our Bears 
Christmas wish list for head coach. So without saying kind of any names, first of all, no, there's some people that want kind of the new hotshot offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator. I've seen some people say they want to get a college coach come in. I've seen other people say they only want guys that have been head coaches before. Where do you lie on kind of this idea for the Bears moving forward? All over the map, to be honest with you. If you get me last week, I want the hotshot offensive coordinator coming in. If you get me this week, I, I've seen the Jim Harbaugh talk, and I'm kind of like, oh, well, maybe an experienced coach who's been to a Super Bowl and, you know, has, has won games, you know, maybe. And it, it just, you know, I, I'm all over the place. I think I'm, I'm a bit wary of the young. I know there's players or there's, there's coaches like – you know, is it Brady and Carolina and Kellen Moore? And, you know, they, they look exciting and stuff, but I, th- I still think they're very young. They're, I think they're in their 32, 33. And I think I want someone a bit older than that. Someone like Dayball, who I know is an offensive coordinator, but he's a bit older, a bit more experienced. Maybe for me, that's more of the, the middle ground. I mean, to be honest, I just want the right guy. <laughs> but if, if I have to pick some sort of actual package of what that right guy is, <laughs> I think I definitely want some experience. I want someone who's going to be able to command that that locker room. The last few years have been, look, we know we've talked about the culture. We've talked about the penalties, the boxing other players, punches and and, and the lot. So I think I I definitely want maybe not an old head coach, but an an old one. I don't want the young, young hotshot because look, Matt Nagy was the young genius hotshot at one point. and, And that's just not really the way to go. Um, so I think if we can get more of an experienced one, even if he hasn't been a head coach, if he's been around a bit and he's got a bit of experience and, and obviously he's built up that that credit, you know, that he's got that kind of personality about him, then, then that's what I want. But to be honest, Kieran, at the moment, I, I cannot pin down specifically what I want. I, yeah, just, want it, the right, I just want the right guy, you know, whether yeah. he's a defensive coordinator who's moving up or he's offensive I don't care if he knows how to manage that locker room and they can bring in the right team to work with him. Well, then that's that's it for me. Like, you know, yeah, I, I completely get where that comes from. And there is there's so many different facets to this. Like you said, one week you could be hanging this hotshot offensive coordinator because you think, oh, well, if we get this defensive guy or special teams coach, that'll become our head coach. And then suddenly the offensive coordinator is great then you're losing offensive coordinators every year. So that's the whole idea why Nagy comes in. Then there's the idea of, well, we've got an offensive guy, so let's go get a defensive guy this time around. And that tends to happen as well. But this may be the first time, and although this is kind of one of the reasons why I think on, it's been very interesting conversations when we actually actually include some of these college guys because normally you wouldn't because uh, like most of these guys aren't going to move but we've seen some crazy moves over the last couple of days in college football <laughs> and i like i did not expect lincoln riley to be going to usc i definitely didn't expect brian kelly to be going to lsu so it's it's been a kind of a whirlwind over the last couple of days now as i mentioned we did put out a poll and of that i was actually surprised because seeing debo harbaugh ryan day and then i got people to comment what they wanted the winner by quite a large margin so about 34.1 percent of people said jim harbaugh then we had 23.9 percent kind of commented with their own guys we had like byron left which that was in there uh callan moore was one of the options that people had put in but then 
Brian Day kind of came last. And it's it's strange because usually we wouldn't talk about these college guys, but now there's two candidates that people are kind of pushing for. And I, I kind of mentioned um, to a couple of the guys, really the only college names that make sense for the Bears, and I'll put them down below here, and they're the only ones we've heard of. Jim Harbaugh, who, <clears throat> look, there's a reason why you don't think that he would leave Michigan, but then you have to think he has that kind of romanticism with the Chicago Bears. So I think this would be the only organization he would probably leave college football to go to. You have Ryan Day, who obviously was Justin Fields' head coach at Ohio State. He's he's worked both in college game and the NFL game. That's what I think is very good and is pros for both Harbaugh and Ryan Day versus kind of Pat Fitzgerald, who has just been a coach at the college level. So would you like to see one of these guys kind of switch over, come to the NFL, or are you more of the lines of give it to somebody who has kind of committed their coaching life to the NFL game? I, w- I would like to interview some college coaches. I would love for the Bears to interview Ryan Day and get his thoughts on how he would uh, uh, coach the Chicago Bears and what he would do with Justin Fields in the pro game and so forth and collect all that information. I would like to interview David Shaw, the head football coach over at Stanford. I've, I've followed his career for a while. He's been a position coach in the NFL. He's He's, he's got quite the resume. I've always kind of uh, uh, been drawn to him. So I'd like to to talk to some of the head coaches. Harbaugh, I'm not a huge fan of because he, he's just uh, kind of off the charts weird sometimes. <laughs> and uh, Pat Fitzgerald, um, you know, I think Pat is at the right place. He should stay at Northwestern. I agree. And uh, I hate to see him leave and uh, – and, I think they're uh, got a losing record this year, season, so I'd love to see him bounce back. But uh, yeah, I, I don't think he, he's a fit for the pro game, or especially for what the Chicago Bears need. But yeah, I would love to see them interview some uh, some uh, college coaches. I think it's important. That's why that two week advantage of getting a head start on interviewing these potential candidates is huge because I'd love for them to spread out a wide net on that first interview, and you know that. That first interview should be, what's your vision for this team? Uh, who would you bring in as head coaches or, or, excuse me, offensive coordinators and defensive coordinators? Who would you bring in as position coaches? You know, how would, uh, you know, what do you think about some of these young core players, the Darnell Moonies, the Cole Komets and so forth? Get a get a really strong uh, working knowledge and uh, that first interview of his assessment of the team, his vision for the team, and then, you know, then you whittle whittle it down to three candidates or something like that, and and I think you just need to start fast. Every good organization always has a a a, a locked drawer with a list of potential successors. You know, in case your general manager gets run over by a car, your head coach falls and and and, and has a head injury or whatever. Um, so so these names should already be on a list somewhere at Hallis Hall. George McCaskey, you better have this list and uh and so you know get started on interviewing and collecting information you know but uh some of the names that i like i i would love to see them interview todd bowles david sean and a, and a few other guys yeah i think that the bears would have to they have to interview ryan day even if they have absolutely no intention of hiring him 
because he was just Justin Fields' college coach. Like, you need to have that kind of three or four hour interview with him to kind of go in deep. Because even if you're not planning on hiring him, or even if he's not planning on taking the job, that he may be able to give you an idea of the type of coach that you need to hire to mm-hmm. help him. And that's where I think it's one of those important ones that it does come in that they have to, like you said, branch out a little bit. You don't want just these kind of three or four hotshot head coaches that you're just going to interview and you're just going to end up hiring one of them. You want to be able to take your time with this. You want to be able to do this because right now you look at the teams that are going to be looking for head coaches. You have Chicago, you have Las Vegas, and then there'll be a couple more. that will There'll be a few surprise ones as well that will be put in there. But in terms of for a head coach, a team that has a quarterback moving forward is a very good situation to come into. So this isn't like our typical Chicago Bears offseason where a head coach gets fired, where you're stuck with like a journeyman quarterback where there's not really any future. This is might be the first time that the Bears might actually be putting themselves in a decent position to get a guy that they actually really want. And it's interesting because there is a lot of opportunity this time. And look, what I'm going to do is, Tony, I want, I want to bring you in on this one as well because we've spoken about some of those names in terms of the college names. Jim Harbaugh, obviously one of the main reasons why I think people talk about him is his time at San Francisco. You, The one thing I take from him is during that time, he was able to build a very good coaching staff. <laughs> We're talking about one of the names that is being linked to the Bears in terms of Greg Roman now was his offensive coordinator there. His defensive coordinator, obviously Vic Fangio, so you look at that and you just have to kind of see how he did improve Alex Smith in that kind of first year where he looked like a complete bust to where they were able to then make the playoffs with him. We saw kind of what he was able to do with Colin Kaepernick for those short periods of time. But it has been his kind of Achilles heel in, in college where it just seems that Michigan have not been able to get that quarterback. And that's where the one kind of question mark will come in for him. Ryan Day obviously speaks for itself. But when we come to kind of the NFL side of things, and there's a lot of guys out there, many of which people have mentioned before. I just wrote down a couple names, mainly from the comments that were put in our poll. So we had obviously Callum Moore, Byron Leftwich, Joe Brady, Brian Dayball, Josh McDaniels, Eric Bieniemy, and one of the other ones that was put out there is Leslie Frazier. Again, been a head coach before. There's so many other options. When you see this offseason now and this opportunity for the Bears to move forward with a new guy, what do you want to see the Bears do? Yeah, I mean, I'm similar to what Noel was saying earlier on. Um, I don't care if it's, you know, the guy that you're hiring as an offensive guy or a defensive guy or whatever he is. It's just got to be a guy who can come in and be a head coach. Um, And that means, you know, doing the head coaching things, knowing how to control the game, knowing when to call timeouts knowing you know just just simple things like that and those all come with experience Um, and i think that's huge so you know when you're looking talking about taking some offensive coordinators (laughs) if you're talking about taking some of these offensive coordinators um who have never been head coaches before um in the nfl or or in college then you know i think you're taking a bit of a gamble there because again um, you kind of want someone, for me, if, if you're the Bears, you want someone who's done it before. That, that's just my opinion. Um, and, you know, I, I get that, that Jim Harbaugh is not a, a 
a favourite of everybody's. But you look at it, you know, these first three seasons with with 49ers were all winning season. I didn't have a losing season with the 49ers in the last season, he went eight and eight. Um, you know, and again, it's because he had that kind of great coach and staff around about him. So you're, you're looking at a guy like that who's got connections and knows people and can go to folk. And, and we had that to an extent with John Fox as well, because he knows people and he's a guy that people like um, and he can kind of bring, and it didn't work out well for us the last time around, but but I think with, with Jim Harbour, you've maybe got that kind of thing going on. Whereas if you've got a kind of new guy coming in who doesn't really know that many folk, it might not work out the same way in terms of building that unit because end of the day it's not just about the head coach it's about everybody else that he brings in round about him if you don't have the right offensive if you hire a, a defensive co um head coach and he doesn't hire the right um guy to do to be offensive coordinator um with the right offensive scheme for for justin fields and everything else that were it's not going to, it's not going to make any difference at the end of the day so you need to have a guy in there that's experienced for me it's been different uh, schemes, different situations, experience winning, experience in losing. Um, all those things uh, are really, really important. I think when you, you look at, I think people are looking at college football and thinking, you know, a guy's been a head coach in college, can he, can he make that jump to the NFL and do the same thing there? And I think you only really need to look at Cliff Kingsbury as a guy who has shown that that transition can be made. Now, Keeping in mind, he's got an excellent quarterback over there, and that has made a difference. But there's been so many um, comparisons made between Justin Fields and the guy that we're going to be facing under center on Sunday. So, you know, it, can, it could potentially be a similar situation. But I think even if he got a Cliff Kingsbury in as a head coach, you then have to hope that the rest of the pieces all fall into place around about him too. You've got the right guy running. I mean, for me... The, the, the defense has been talked about as a strength of the Bears, but it's not uh, at all. It's 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 flat. It's mediocre. You've got a couple of great players in there, and the rest of it's filler. There's no killer in there, so that's that's a huge issue. And um, so you you I I don't think you can move forward with Sean Desai. You know, no offense to the guy, but I just I, I know he's it's his first year, but I think as I said before, he, he got the job because no one else wanted it. Um, and uh, and I think you need to get the right guy in there to run that defense. God, see if we could go back to having Fick Fangio again. That'd be fantastic. Do you know what I mean? Like just running that defense. That's that's the kind of thing that you want. But it's about getting that right guy, the right personalities in there as well. So this is going to be a huge off season in terms of getting everything right and everything in place. Um, it's it's, Good luck. it's so much. It's so much to ask. It's so much to ask and so much to expect. But at least if we can get the right head coach in and build from there. You don't have to have the, necessarily the right coaches in round about them right away. But if you get that pillar in, you can then kind of build round about it, get your offensive coordinator in, you know, that year or the next year and kind of, you know, just make sure you've got the right guy to stem everything from. Um, and all I can say is, thank God, I'm not making a decision on who's hiring them because that is, that is ultimate pressure. <laughs> yeah, I, I think one of the... One of the good points is there's so many candidates out there that we talk about wanting to have the right guy. We want to have someone that can command the room, that can be that kind of head coach rather than just coordinator as a head coach. And a lot of the options this time around, there are guys that have been head coaches before or have shown 
that they have worked in many different systems and have that ability. And Noah, I'll bring you in on, on this as well, because this is what I find interesting, because every single year we talk about all these kind of hotshot head coach candidates, and we see kind of the likes of even Brandon Staley that went last year that became a head coach. We've seen numerous in other years that's usually kind of this young offensive coordinator or anybody that has worked with Sean McVay, it seems. But like this time around, we talk about even at the NFL level, right? So Brian Dayball is one that people keep talking about. Now, he has worked at so many different systems, which is something I like. You don't just have a guy like Nagy that comes in that knows one system, and when that doesn't work, he doesn't know what to do. You have Dayball who kind of worked with Josh Allen, and you see what he's become. He's worked at some big programs in in college as well. So that's definitely an option there. One of the other things people have mentioned is Todd Bowles, who's had a phenomenal time. And I don't I don't put any negative mark on him for what happened in New York because the Jets are the Jets and anybody will look bad having to coach the Jets. Like realistically, in the last what 15, 16 years, the only person that's had any sort of success with them has been Rex Ryan. So like it's it's one of those that I think he's the definitely a possibility. Again, you can go back to the Buffalo Bills, Leslie Frazier, who's the defensive coordinator there, who has one of the best defenses in the NFL, has been a head coach in the division before, ex-Bears player as well, as well. So, like, there's so many different options there. We look at the – normally we don't look at college. Tony's mentioned before, kind of one of the coaches we're going to see this upcoming weekend – he was getting fired from another job and then gets hired somewhere and then decides to go to Arizona. That doesn't happen that much. But when you look at the head coaches that are being kind of spoken about in relation to the Bears, they're all guys that have worked in the NFL before, which is also important. So is it becoming this point of where this might just be a good year for the Bears to be getting rid of Matt Nagy, because it seems like there's a lot of quality coaching candidates. And we look back to the year that Matt Nagy was hired by the Bears. I think most coaches, other than with the Colts, I think every other head coach that year has been fired since. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I, I do think there are kind of some names out there. It's only the last few days where I've really kind of dived in because obviously, you know, there's been talk since the start of the season and we had the same two or three names kind of pop up. But since it's kind of steamrolled, then we've actually seen a lot more names coming in. And I think I think people are starting to look for that more experience in a, in a head coach that comes in because we, we've tried the whole, you know, offensive kind of, you know, hot shot that's come up and play caller that's come in. So I think like a name like Todd Bowles really does interest me because you say, look, New York is a mess. It's just anybody who went in there was in trouble. And I think he is an excellent defensive coordinator and he seems like he's a player he's, he's a person that has a lot of you know he's well liked in the NFL he's well respected in the NFL and I wouldn't be against I definitely wouldn't be bringing him in for an interview um, look obviously it depends who who interviews them and, and whether they hear the right things but for me he's a guy with experience you know again Harbar has been mentioned he seems a bit of a controversial pick some people are happy with that kind of idea some aren't me I, I would again as Tony said his record um, at the 49ers was excellent. Now, would he leave Michigan? I, I, I don't know. As you say, maybe the Bears would be a, be, be a good draw. Leslie Frazier, I'm not as high on him, but again, 
he, he's an experienced person. You still bring him in for an interview. He's been through the league. He knows people. You know, as you say, he's doing a great job there now as defensive coordinator. So yeah, in in, in general, though, I personally I don't think I'd be looking at a college coach. Um, I, as Tony again said, I like that NFL connection. Now, obviously, I say Harbar, but obviously he's been an NFL head coach and. You know, he, he's been a player and, you know, he has his brother there. So I'm sure the family know everyone in the NFL. So they have those links. But in general, I mean, yeah, I, I, I do think it's a good year. I think there seems to be some experienced people out there. My thing with the Bears is I'm hoping they don't go the cheap option because they've never been one to, to pay big money to a head coach out of the gate. You know, even when Lovey Smith was doing an amazing job, he was, I think, probably one of the lowest paid head coaches in the league at the time. This was a coach who went to the Super Bowl who had trouble getting a new contract. So my my fear with them is that there's a monetary value in, in their head for when they're going for this, which there shouldn't be because, look, it's a $4 billion company. You know, they can pay a head coach. Look, if you're paying your backup quarterback what they're paying, two backup quarterbacks, you can pay your head coach good money. So I'm hoping this year they learn from that and that doesn't become a stumbling block. But yeah, no, I think there are definitely names out there. There's definitely experience out there. There's definitely people worth bringing in for a chat. And look, I just hope the right person is making the pick and they pick the right man. Otherwise, as we said, we'll be back here next year and the year after. So, yeah, it's crossed. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. The one I, I think people, that is something that comes up is do you trust this team because they've done things wrong in the past? And the only thing I go back to is, Normally, I would expect the worst of the Bears, but although the one thing that has kind of made me think a little bit more and is everything that's going on with kind of the Arlington racetrack is something that's just so not Bears. And this is the time that you actually want to set up your team for success so that when you move to that new stadium, the, you are successful. You mm-hmm. have a quarterback in place because at the end of the day, when that comes in, all those marketing opportunities is going to get even larger This, I've said this on the show, is this is probably the most important decision, at least head coaching decision, that the organization has had to make in a very long time. You finally have a quarterback that the fan base believe in, that a lot of people around the organization clearly believe in. So how important do you think this offseason is in terms of the overall landscape of this organization right now? I think that's a great question because I I think it's probably, uh, you know, I've been following the Bears since the 1960s. And so I don't recall there being a time that is as important for the Chicago Bears franchise as this moment in time because of the Arlington Park uh, potential stadium. They have got to convince investors that this is going to be a good move. They have got to uh, convince uh, fans to pay the personal seat licenses that are going to cost somewhere upwards of $10,000 to get primo seats at this new stadium. They have got to do so many things to make this look like a, a great thing for Arlington Heights and for everybody who is putting money into this venture. So, Yes, you're right. Justin Fields is a big part of that. So will be hopefully this executive vice operations. And so will be the new general manager and, of course, the coach. And so when 
when we talked about you know the 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 salaries that, that these NFL head coaches have made when when employed by the Chicago Bears, yeah, they've got to open up uh, the purse there. So if Ryan Day is deemed as the perfect candidate to be the coach, and he says, well, listen, guys. I can get, you know, if I tell Ohio State I'm leaving, they're going to offer me 10 to $12 million to stay. Can you guys match that? And the answer will have to be yes. You know, if you really, really believe that Ryan Day is the perfect head coach candidate to lead Justin Fields and the Chicago Bears into sustained success, yeah, you're going to have to pay that kind of money. And if it doesn't work out and you're left holding the bag for 40, 50, 60, 70, $80 million, that's the cost of doing business, and 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 those are the kinds of losses that uh, you know businesses can incur when they're multi-billion-dollar businesses. I mean, hey, you go to the concession stands at uh, Soldier Field; they spend about a million dollars in spilled ketchup when they're making your hot dog. So uh, that's just the way things are. So you've got to invest. You've got to invest heavily in the Arlington. Uh, Park uh, racetrack acquisition is is uh, is a big part of where this Bears team is and what they have to do in order to make everything work in their favor. Yeah, so like I said, it it's the first time that they're doing something that I didn't expect. Like we heard all these stories about Arlington and that we're like, oh yeah, it could happen, and then suddenly it just kind of came on very quickly this year. And you do have to think of it, and that's why we've been saying that I think this is the most important offseason in a very, very long time for the Bears because they can set themselves up for that time. Because, look, you don't want to happen what's happening to the Raiders right now where they move to Las Vegas and then suddenly the team is in shambles and people don't really care and the majority of the people that are coming in are away fans versus your home support. It's yep. it's a big thing that the Bears need to make sure they get it right. Look, Tony, one of the things that you mentioned you kind of brought off Cliff Kingsbury, and this is ju- to just move on to our next portion of the show, is we see what he was able to do. Come in, be successful. He, he says that, I don't want Josh Rosen, who the Cardinals had just selected in the first round pri- the previous year, and instead says he wants to go get Kyler Murray. So does that, and they've been able to build with one another. Now, We've already we've said it a bunch of times on, on the show already where this season is all about the development of Justin Fields and until Justin Fields comes back, it's going to be quite difficult. Um, but with Kyler Murray and what we're going to see this weekend, do you think that the Bears, both as an organization, but also the fan base, and kind of look at Kyler Murray as a kind of roadmap to what Justin Fields' future may look like where okay first season might not be the greatest now Justin Fields has had to deal quite a lot offensive line issues coaching issues a very stagnant offense overall um but that there is that potential that when a new guy comes in you may see kind of those vast improvements that we have seen from Kyler Murray year on year on year now yeah I mean it only takes the right guy to come in to, to kickstart even players that are there already who you may have thought, well, you know, that's them done. Um, we're just going to have to ride out their contract or whatever. You know, you can get someone who can come in and they can they can change things up. I think where you're talking about uh, Kingsbury coming in um, 
in 2019 and then deciding again i don't want rosen this is what we're talking about earlier on with the gm situation you know it's like go in there and tell them what you want to do um and and have conviction behind what you're saying have a plan set out kind of thing and he evidently had something in place and they they knew that the cardinals where they were going to be um and then obviously have the number one pick in the draft and all this kind of stuff so it, it just it was all the speculation throughout that whole that kind of off season as a cup to the draft are they going to stick with rosen are they going to they're going to take kyler murray of course they were going to take murray he's a better player it made sense 100 percent. you know there was there you know anybody who come in and make that same decision um because it was the right decision to make now that's not to say that everybody would come in and actually do that but he did so i think you know you're lo you're looking at the situation with them and obviously the the first year they they didn't have a great record um last year i think they were 500 then this year they're they're kind of coming out the traps and they're nine and two and they look really really dominant you know and and again that's a combination of having um the right guy with the right guys around about him the right scheme and the quarterback evolving and that's the thing for us because we want to see this the quarterback evolving we want to everything is about justin fields everything's building around justin fields because at the end of the day if you don't have a quarterback um then not, you're not going to win anything really um it's, it's only in the very rare situations where you can get by with an average quarterback and, and win things but at the end of the day getting into the playoffs is not success the only thing that should be considered success is winning the Super Bowl, and that's it. Um, if you're if you don't win the Super Bowl, yeah, you, you haven't been successful. Um, and we have to get out of this mindset of of you know just doing enough to get into the playoffs. So that's that's pretty good, you know. Um, we need to get out of that kind of thing. So, um, you know, it's all going to start with Justin Fields and and kind of building roundabout um, him. Um, so yeah, the, the the whole thing is 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 kind of huge. But I think. As you, someone mentioned earlier on, the NFL is a copycat league, and you see things happen all the time, and people try and replicate it. You know, and it happened when we took Matt Nagy on because we were like, "Oh well, um, everyone else is hiring these hotshot offensive coordinators to be head coaches. We'll do that as well, and then see what happens." And it doesn't. You can't replicate it all the time. Um, so I think you know you can, and I think you can do this with any aspect of business. You can look at success. And you can look at the things that worked and you can try and apply it to your situation but it's got to be something that fits what you're doing you can't take a square peg and try and fit it in a round hole just for the sake of copying what's happened because it's been successful somewhere else what you've got to do is take the best bits of multiple different things and make something that's going to make you successful and if we can take something from uh, kyler murray and the cardinals and apply it to Justin Fields and see that kind of next step that he can take, or even like in a Russell Wilson thing with him as well, anything like that, that we can use to try and make him the best prospect to get us to Super Bowl, then I'm all for it. Um, but I'm not all for blindly just copying people for the sake of it, just because it worked for them. Because a lot of this time, a lot of these things are, are, are luck and uh, the way things break for you. So, Yeah, it's all about building around the quarterback. And look, although this is where we've kind of spoken about the development of Justin Fields has almost been more important than what's happened this year, because I don't think a lot of people had very high expectations for the Bears, and they were hoping more that we would see good development. Now, obviously, Fields being injured right now, he's back practicing on a limited basis. What do you want to see from 
Justin from now until the end of the season that would make you content moving into next year? Snaps. Um, now, I'm not advocating that he play Sunday. I, I want to make sure that those ribs are 100% healed before he's out there getting uh, more hits. Uh, he had, does have a tendency of holding the ball too long. He still needs work at uh, reading coverages and so forth. And, and those things are going to correct themselves with more snaps uh, that he gets out there. I want to see him out there against the Green Bay Packers so he can really become accustomed to this rivalry and get it in his blood how important it is to beat the Green Bay Packers because they're they have been the division champions now for the majority of the last what two three decades and so uh, it, it's important that we start to uh uh develop him with long-term success in mind and that's what worries me about the current structure what you know I hate to get back to to Ryan Pace but Part of the part of the problem with Ryan Pace is that he has not had synchronicity on his side. He hasn't developed a football team from scratch, which is you bring in uh, a quarterback, you set him up with uh, offensive linemen who are going to protect him, you give him the offensive weapons, and then you proceed on to other parts of the football team. That's modern football nowadays. It used to be you you build uh, at the line of scrimmage, you find a running back, you, you uh, then fill out the rest of the defense, and then you, you, know, you, you get the rest of the offense. That was old-time football, three yards and a cloud of dust football. But in today's NFL, you have got to figure out a way to install a quarterback, and then everything else is about making that quarterback the absolute best quarterback that he can be. And Ryan Pace has never done that with, with the Chicago Bears. Uh, you know, you look at Mitchell Trubisky's uh, 2017 season, do you remember the, the wide receivers on this team? Oh, Ken yes. <laughs> Kendall Wright. Uh, they had to pick up Dontrell Inman in the middle of the season with the trade. It was just putrid. And so, again, you know, the synchronicity has not, never been there. Ryan Pace just doesn't have – it gets back to what I talked about earlier, vision. you got to have vision and then – you know, and then you you got to know how to execute on that vision. And so what I'm worried about most of all right now is that he, he did an excellent job of trading up and picking up the Giants. He gave up less than I thought it would, it would take to pick up uh, a Justin Fields at quarterback. So I give him credit for that and, and some other moves. But in terms of the overall construction of the roster and supporting the quarterback, Ryan Pace has failed miserably, not only with Justin Fields, but with Metro Trubisky. And uh, and so my uh, my confidence on him is low. And I say that because some people in the chat are, are saying, you know, their confidence is, is higher in, in Pace than it is Nagy. My, my confidence is really non-existent for both of those guys right now. So what you're telling me is the 2017 wide receivers in terms of like Marcus Wheaton, Kendall Wright. Don't forget like Trey McBride, I think it was <laughs> at, at, at that time. That didn't do it for you? You know what's worse is it actually reminds me a little bit about the, I guess, the depth that the wide receiver position the Bears currently have. Because, yeah, we can talk about Darnell Mooney and Alan Robinson. But really, after that, there's nothing. Because nothing. we talk, like, people try to talk about Marquise Goodwin and the speedster. Like, 
well, he's made maybe what four or five catches in the year that have been important. Mm-hmm. Like Bird, I haven't seen him do do much else, and there's nothing really coming behind. And that it goes to show that this is a league where you see, like the LA Rams are out there trying to in- put as good of a football team together that you see all these different weapons to the point of where they're actually letting guys go that would be very good contributors that would be on this Bears team. Like, that's where you have to build it out. The way a roster is constructed now is so much different, like you said before, because of the way these offenses work. It's not so much that you need to just constantly be running the ball on a hard-nosed offense. Like, No, you need to be able to spread the ball out. You need to be able to be that like fire-powered offense to where your wide receivers and your quarterback make the running back's job that much easier. But mm-hmm. it's the opposite. We're trying to make get the running back to make the quarterback's job easier and the wide receiver's job easier. And it's it's completely backwards. And even still, like the fact that we're paying I think you just have to look at one player on, on defense is probably making more than the entire offensive line put together. And mm-hmm. that's a big problem. We've always said, even with the game changing, it still is one at the line of scrimmage, and that's something that hasn't really changed. In terms of going ahead to this game, it's it's a difficult one for, for Bears fans because I don't expect Justin Fields to play because I'm like you. Until his ribs are fully healed, I don't want him to be in there. You don't need to get your injury even more serious than it may be already. But there is a good chance that Kyler Murray will play after. Be- I think he's been out about four weeks now. So what are your expectations going into this Sunday? Because... I know at the very end of the show, we'll do our kind of bold predictions and scoreline predictions. But for me, I hate being negative, but there's not a lot of positives as you're going into this game. I'm sorry, that's for me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. My expectations are uh, I think the Bears are going to to um, to lose this game, uh, particularly if 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 Kyler is back and DeAndre Hopkins is back. I, I just don't see this Bears team without Khalil Mack Without um, now Roquan. Duke Shelley, who was ascending, uh, without uh, Roquan Smith, uh, I don't see how they're going to stop the Cardinals from uh, scoring uh, over 24, 25 points. And what are the Bears averaging right now? You know, <laughs> how many times have they reached into the 20s? I think they're averaging, what, 16 points a game. So, you know, it, it's just not going to happen. What what I do think, though, is interesting is I, I am curious to see what Andy Dalton is going to do after a full week of practice. He didn't have a terrible game against the, the Lions. Yeah, he could. He, that, there were mistakes and mistakes in the red zone and so forth. But I'd like to see him run this offense for uh, after a full week of, of practice and uh and with his knowledge and his capabilities this offensive line has been playing well the last few weeks they're 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 starting to get better and starting to gel as a unit so i do think that the bears perhaps can score some points uh sunday against the cardinals but overall i i i, I anticipate that this is going to be a, another uh humiliating bears defeat they'll, they'll they'll figure out a way to make us miserable for the holiday season yeah, yeah, I know, especially considering we're going to get that Sunday night football game against the Packers, which it always seems like that's the game the Bears just completely lay an egg and it's over by halftime. <laughs> that's that's the one thing I'm hoping that won't happen. And Look, even if the Bears, look, 
you look at the majority of the games that are left and they won't be favored in many of them. I think the only games that people will be a bit confident in would maybe be the Giants game and the games against Minnesota are the mm-hmm. two games or the three games that people will circle. And look, Noel, I wanna I wanna come to you next before we get to kind of our predictions and things for that. But what's your expectation going in? Because we you are one of the more positive people when it comes to the bears not this week not this week not this, this week no is this is this you they broke kinda, me kieran they broke me are you playing with me right now where you're just gonna be like oh no you're gonna talk on oh, that no, this, this, and then on sunday when i ask you for your prediction that i put it out you're gonna say that the bears are gonna win <laughs> but they'll only win by 20 you know? <laughs> no 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 not this week I've, I've been thinking about it i've been looking for all the positive angles i can hit and do you know what I, I don't see one especially as you say with murray coming back and it looks like hopkins is going to be back as well i mean i think i think we're in trouble this weekend uh, the only shining light is the cardinals have been bad against the run and that's our strongest point on offense at the moment so maybe we can pound the ball a bit but their their pass offense is up there at the top of the league like i think dalton is in trouble yeah i think we're we're in big trouble this weekend sorry i know i bring the positivity every week but i i just don't have it this week took 13 weeks but they broke me (laughs) <laughs> about to, look, I'm t- I'm telling you, Aldo. Just just wait until Sunday, and I'm gonna post. We I always post out a graphic of everybody's predictions, and I've Noel and Tony and Anthony's on the show. We do this on on Wednesday, and then suddenly they're they're saying, "Oh yeah, the Bears are gonna lose this game." And then I ask for a prediction, and suddenly I'm like, "Oh, so I'm the only one now saying that the Bears are gonna lose because everybody else has changed their predictions." <laughs> so so let's just wait for that to come out. But look, Tony, I'm gonna start with you. One of our favorite parts of the show is when we do our kind of our bold predictions and our scoreline predictions. So I'm going to ask for those two. So first of all, your bold prediction and then your score prediction for the game on Sunday. Yeah, so it's going to be it's going to be a, a nightmare uh, game in my opinion. Uh, you've got the Cardinals; they're nine and two. They're coming out the bye week at the perfect time because they've got uh, Murray and Hopkins back. Um, their defense is ranked fifth uh, in the league um, against us, who struggle to score any points. Um, and and our red zone um, offense is dreadful, so it's not really setting up well for anything kind of thing. Um, so for me, um, I've definitely got Bears um, losing. Um, my my bowl, Usually, when I go for the bowl prediction, I'll give you a Bears bowl prediction, but. You know, I'm break, I'm breaking a trend here. The the bold prediction I have is that Kyler Murray comes back uh, and scores four touchdowns. Um, whether that and whether that be running or throwing, I don't know. But he's going to score four touchdowns. Um, and I've got the uh, the final score being Bears sixteen, Cardinals thirty one. Very good, uh, Aldo. I'm going to come to you next. First, your bold prediction for the game, and then a score prediction. My bold prediction is that Eddie Jackson is going to have a pick six. It'll be his first since uh, the the, uh, 2018 season when he had two. Um, So Eddie Jackson is going to intercept the Kyler Murray pass. Uh, He's actually, Murray has thrown three interceptions in his last two games, two against the Green Bay Packers. So I I, I can see 
uh, that potentially happen. And I, 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 I think it's, it's fair to say it's a bold prediction given the drought that Eddie Jackson has had the last couple of years. Um, and, and, and it would also probably be a bold prediction to say that he tackled somebody, but uh, <laughs> that's probably not what you're looking for. And then the, the score, I think it's going to be like a 36 to um, to 24 type score. They'll lose by 12 points. Damn, so you have a score more than 20 points. Mm. That's a bold prediction in itself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Only because of Eddie Jackson. I had the, Are we the talking about the Bears game right now? Yeah, we definitely talked about the Bears game. <laughs> very, very good. All right, no, bold prediction and score prediction. I gave you a little bit of time here. You did, you did. But like Tony said, bold prediction-wise, I have no idea where to go with this Bears team at the moment. So my bold prediction is to go against what both of the guys said. My bold prediction is the Bears will keep it under 30. There we go. That's a bold prediction this week, I think. Um, I'm, I'm going to go 27-13 to the Cardinals. And genuinely, I don't even know what bold prediction to pick because I don't know what this what this team can do. I've no trust in them doing anything. So, yeah, uh, yeah the Bears will keep it below 30 and 27-13 into the Cardinals. That lost bet for Noel uh, <laughs> really damaged his spirit. Uh, I'm telling you, although I've, every week, it doesn't matter what it is, I'm, I'm, I'm hyped up, I'm ready. Come on, lads. They're going to win. They're going to win. And <laughs> and then they let me down, and they got me knocked out of the last man standing, and now it's just like, I'm done. <laughs> now, to be honest, I think, I think what broke me was a couple of weeks ago when Matt Nagy called the timeout to decide whether he wanted to go for one or two. That was just like, right, that's it. That's I can't take that anymore. I'm done. <laughs> So, yeah, what have they done to you? What have they done to you, man? Jesus, Tony, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, uh, it's it's crazy though. Like, we just look at it and we get all confident when it gets kind of like five minutes before the game. We're like, oh, yeah, we got we got this two two plays in, false start. Great, this is it. Game over. (laughs) That's what happens to us, but yeah, look, ball prediction. I'm kind of on the side for, for Tony. Um, my ball prediction is I think that Kyler Murray has over 330 yards passing against the Bears. And unfortunately, I see these two weeks as a very difficult two weeks for Bears fans going up against the Cardinals and then up against the Packers. My score prediction is Cardinals 40 to the Bears 10. Oh, my yeah. goodness. I do not see the Bears doing much. You look at the defense, it's without Khalil Mack. You, like you mentioned, although Duke Shelley's out, you're probably going to see Kindle Vildor put back in there again. Roquan Smith is probably not going to make it to the game as well. We don't know what's going on with Akeem Hicks and with the Cardinals getting healthy again. It's it's going to be very difficult to stop them, especially they want to make sure that what happened last year doesn't happen this year where they kind of filter out towards the end. So I see this one being a pretty ugly game but hopefully i'm wrong <laughs> i've i've said it since the raiders game that until the bears prove to me they can score points i'm not going to pick them to win a game <laughs> so that's that's the way i am at the moment the, the biggest ball prediction would be a vildor actually like makes a play in the game <laughs> like that's <laughs> that's the main one but yeah. look it, hey it, having said that can i interrupt a second I, I yeah go ahead to- I'd love to share a, a piece of video with you. We were talking about Leslie Frazier and Leslie Frazier had 
the greatest interception that I've ever seen of any football player, any football player. Let me let me share my screen here and you show you the interception. And it, it's a double bonus. It's against the Green Bay Packers. So watch what he does. He's in white here, number 21, Leslie oh, Frazier. Oh, yeah. And he just goes over his back and catches it all hands and brings it to his body. It is that's an amazing interception. Am I right or am I wrong when I say that is the greatest interception of all time? Oh yeah. <laughs> like <laughs> especially especially against the Packers. Yes. <laughs> Anybody that does anything against the Packers, we are going to love. Look, it it is great. We will we'll be back after the game as well. We have our post-game show coming up. There's gonna we'll have a, a special guest on that as well. Next week, we will be having one of the Packers beat reporters on with us as well. Hopefully, we'll be getting a couple more for the next few kind of games as well. It's it's coming thick and fast. And even though like all this kind of fire naggy chants are going everywhere, there's still a lot of football to be played. And even though it's been a, a tough season to go through, it's one of those where when we come to the end, we're like, oh, crap, here's another nine months without football again. So do enjoy it while it's here even if the bears are struggling enjoy it because as we said there's only 17 of these and then suddenly that bears football over until next september so make sure that you guys do enjoy make sure you guys like the video hit the subscribe button over on onto youtube make sure that you follow aldo as well especially over on the barroom network although do you have any other shows coming up over the next couple of days yeah actually we have a show tonight buffon 55 he and Alyssa barbieri start the show where she asks him five questions and then uh john's veins start to pulp you pop all over the place he becomes uh you guys have had him on so you know the energy that he brings and then he'll be interviewing in the second segment uh jess uh boot who covers the cardinals for cardinalswire.com and then i'll join them in the last segment to talk to show that uh, leslie frazier interception again because i love it so much <laughs> oh yeah absolutely it's it's always good it's it's been a pleasure having you on although i know we'll definitely you. have you guys on again um guys like i mentioned make sure that you subscribe to the show you can catch it the podcast forum on apple spotify google podcast pretty much anywhere else you get your podcasts make sure you follow us you can just follow us at, at irish bear show on all your social media platforms whether you prefer twitter facebook instagram all those we are available um and all those platforms like i said make sure that you like the video make sure you hit that subscribe button and until next time all we can say is bear down bear down bear down bear down, bear down.